Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of Fintech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Walk the Talk podcast series, a very, very special short series as part of the FinTech with Nadia DEI discussions. Through tangible action and clear follow-up, we are here to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Magdalena Turin, co-founder of Lyft. Now, Lyft offers consulting services to support in management, organization and HR built on a positive, enthusiastic and dynamic vision of the corporate world. She is showing how inclusion desire can become a reality and is here today to show us how she walks the talk. So welcome Magdalena, it is such a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you very much Nadia, thank you for having me. So what I'd love for you to start with is if you tell us about Lyft and what it means, and more importantly, what it means to be someone else's next step, because I know that that's your tagline. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. I'll be delighted to tell you a bit more about Lyft and why we choose this tagline to be someone else's next step. We created Lyft with my co-founder in 2019 with the idea that the purpose of either an individual or an organization is to grow. For an individual, it means developing new skills and for an organization, it means creating more value. For both, it translates into gaining expertise and being, I would say, stronger and happier every day. So to reach this goal, we believe in what we call at Lyft, the next step approach. It means that looking at what do I need to do in 10 years from now? What will I be doing as a leader in 10 years from now, be it as an individual or as a leader, is very tricky. On the other hand, if you look at what can I do today to improve my company, to improve my life, to improve the world I'm living in, is much easier. So that's what we do. We show leaders and managers where they can put their foot next. How high is the next bar on the ladder that they want to climb? How strong is the next stone on the crossing that they want to approach? And what we do through our consulting programs is to show them how to get there. So if I want to evaluate, again, how strong is the next stone on the crossing, we have developed uh, methodologies and approaches to help them evaluate where they are today, how strong is the company, uh, 
how strong is this next step and how that will get them one step at a time to where they want to go to get their company where they want to get the company to, to reach their goal, basically. And most importantly, to embark the entire organization into reaching this goal. So that's what it is really for us to be someone else's next step. We're kind of like the ladder, we are the bar, and we're pushing one step at a time the organization to get stronger and to provide an environment where individuals will also become stronger in their skills, in their competencies, and their innovation potential. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. I think this is why it was so important to bring you and bring Lyft onto this Walk the Talk series, because it's so important to be somebody else's next step, to think long-term, but to understand the how do we get there. And I know that that's something that you are totally wedded to. And I love the enthusiasm and the dynamic vision that you have. Tell us a bit about why you started this. Well, it's... It has a lot to do with our personal history, both for my co-founder and myself, because we spent the first 15 years of our career in corporate in international positions. So we both lived and worked on all five continents, growing from internship assignments when we were just completing our studies to leadership positions. And doing so, we learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work for a team to function and for a company to be great at what it does. And what we learned is that it's basically all about vision and how you translate this vision into a management culture. To elaborate a little bit on that, what we observed as employees first, and then as managers, and then as leaders, is that the vision of the leader of the organization has a massive impact. We all know that. If you have a passionate, enthusiastic, positive leader, the organization will be so much different than if you have somebody uh, with approaching business only from one angle, whatever the angle be. Why is that so? It's because we all function based on energies. So the energy that I translate as a leader is going to be communicated to my team, is going to be communicated to my management fellows and themselves are going to communicate this energy to this team. So as a leader, I'm responsible for building a vision. And the broader my vision, the higher my company will go. I'm not going to say that it's mathematical, but it's almost mathematical in the sense that how big I see my company, how big it will be. And if I have limited vision, the projects that my company will be able to embark on will be just as limited as my vision. So it's my role as a leader, first first and foremost, to say, what is the vision that I have for my company? Why am I doing this? And where do I want to go? Then management. So why we think, we strongly believe that, not only think, but strongly believe that everything has to do with management, is that as a manager, I'm supposed to spend about 40% of my time to deal with my team. So 60% is operational, it's my job, it's work project and so on. But almost half of my time should be dedicated to actually translating the vision into management practices. It means that as a manager, a lot of my responsibilities is about creating a culture, creating a 
corporate culture that is linked to very strong values and where people find the support that they need to themselves carry on the project of the company. I'm not supposed to carry on the job for my team. I'm supposed to create the culture, to create the environment where my team can actually carry on their project to the best of their abilities. And that's where we make the link with inclusion, because what we learn throughout our career, throughout our past, is that inclusion and value creation go together. First of all, working abroad and spending so much time abroad has opened up our mind tremendously on the value of diversity. Because when your own systems or your own values are challenged by the countries that you are living in, by different systems, it's extremely enriching. And what you learn doing so is that there is not one vision, there is not a right or wrong vision. It's all about dialogue and it's all about understanding what other people are seeing. And we all see things differently because our brains are all functioning differently. A quote that I love that has been attributed to Einstein, but I'm not 100% positive about the source, is the greatest isolation is to be surrounded only by people who think alike. So basically, if I surround myself only by people who have more or less the same life path that I do, who have done the, the same studies, who have lived more or less the same life, I'm creating an island and I'm isolating myself. And we all know that the success of business today relies on connection. So that's why inclusion for us is really a tool at the service of value creation. A lot of, very often, companies think, I have to make money. I have to make money for my shareholders. I have to make money to pay the salaries. I have to make money to grow. I have to make money to pay my debt and so on and so on. So it's time to make money. I'll take care of CSR. I'll take care of inclusion. I'll take care of diversity later. What we believe is that if your goal is to make money in the sense of creating value, if it's just making money for making money, it's just, it's not extremely interesting. But if it's really like, I want to create value, I want to create growth, I want to create employment, then inclusion will actually get you there faster. So that's how we ended up linking inclusion and growth in the consulting services that we provide to, to our clients. I couldn't agree more with all of that. And I, I just love all the action that you are implementing across so many people. And I think what's really, really unique is that you've got this plan to offer your services to more companies in a really efficient way that's easy for them to walk the talk. So tell us a bit more about this plan. Oh, yes, absolutely. First of all, uh, we want to focus on companies which challenges we know best. Because if you say I provide consulting services, if you say I help companies with their management culture, with their organization, with their HR practices, there are a lot of companies that are doing that. So the way we do it at Lyft is that, first of all, we have targeted clients that we can serve best because we know best the challenges that they are going through. And the companies that we are specifically targeting or able to support are companies that are experiencing very fast growth. When I say very fast, it's the kind of growth that can disorganize your company from human resources and from a management culture point of view. So we focus a lot on startups, especially startups that are going from seed to series A, that are preparing their series A, or that just completed series A and are on the process of delivering on their service aid commitment. 
why is that a group of, of companies that we specifically want to service is because the challenges that startups are going through when they go through Series A are very specific. First of all, when you prepare for Series A, the term sheets from your investors are going to come in at a later stage in the preparation uh, phase. And very often what we see is that companies are actually discovering that their investors care about EDI and diversity, inclusion, equality at a later stage of the preparation of their Series A. And if there is not a strong alignment on the fact that for the startup, EDI are important, as important as they are for their investors, it can actually be a deal breaker. So that's important for startups when they prepare their Series A, that they make sure that they understand if their investors, if the investors that they're progressing with are interested into, uh, in EDI and want to make EDI an investment criteria, that they are aware of it and that they prepare for it. So that's, that's the first thing. Second is that the moment when you complete your Series A is really the moment where your company is going to start becoming more institutional. You're going to recruit a lot of people in a very short time. You're going to have to recruit people with very different skill sets. Ten years ago, finding good tech people was one of the main recruitment challenge for startups. Today, it's not anymore. You have really good tech talents everywhere in the world for all type of industries, all type of problematics and so on. The idea is that the, the key recruitment challenge is to recruit people with sales capacity, obviously with, with tech competencies, but also with the right culture, with the right mindset to take your company where it needs to go. So you're going to have all these people with very diverse backgrounds, with very different uh, areas of expertise, and all of a sudden they'll have to be all working together. And it's not only just working together on their project, it's working together as a team in an environment that is going to be more stressful because the 18 months runway that you have after you've completed your Series A goes extremely fast. So the level of pressure is very high. You have only about 50% of the companies that complete Series A that go to Series B. So the pressure is important to make the most out of this 18 months runway. So the processes will have to be implemented. It's not the same thing to work when you're five people or 10 people or 20 people within an organization. And all of a sudden, almost overnight, you have 100, 200, 300 people that have to work together. When you put processes in place, communication channels become longer, decision paths will become more complicated. So it's very important when your company institutionalizes to make sure that your corporate culture remains the translation of your vision. Because if not, the vision is going to be get lost in the process and it's going to be more difficult for the employees to align with the vision, to align with the project, and therefore to be at 100% invested in what's going on in the company. So that's one, one first thing is really to focus on uh, companies where we know we can really bring the most of what we, can, we, we know how to do. And the second thing that we want to do is that in 2022, we want to become digital. So we want to build a platform. We have started to work on a platform that will deliver our services, which is managing efficiently, recruiting efficiently, sharing growth efficiently 
an inclusion vision through a platform. Today, we deliver these services, I would say, manually. Uh, we go to our clients and we, we deliver that in-house, working with our clients. We want to continue doing so, but we also want to build a platform that will help us, that will allow us to provide these services to more companies through uh, digital options. And all of this just sounds so brilliant. How much you're covering. And I think that right now, you know, this, this clear connection between growth and inclusion, what investors will be asking, how a company can truly become the best that it can be. It's brilliant that you are really driving that forward. And I know you've got some success stories, so it'd be great for you to share some of them with us. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, one of our first success uh, was with the company uh, Litchi Mango Pay. Most of our clients are in the fintech space. That's the industry that we, um, we serve the most. This comes with the background of my co-founder, who is a fintech specialist. So again, the idea is really to offer our services to the company that we know the best. Litchi Mango Pay was one of the first companies that we worked with when we launched Lyft. So it started with a conversation with Christelle. Christelle came to us and through different connections and the conversation started the, the, the following way. She said, well, we know we're great at diversity because Céline Lazort, the CEO of, uh, of Litchi and the founder and, and CEO of Litchi Mangope is uh, really passionate about it. So we know we're good at it. We know we're a diverse company, tech company, but we would like to be able to show it, to prove it, to communicate to our employees, to, to let them know where we stand, but to see also what we can do to motivate other fintechs to embark with us on the journey of uh, equality, diversity, and inclusion. So based on this conversation, we designed an audit tool that we deployed. Uh, so we conducted first an audit of where is Litchimongopay at in terms of equality, diversity, and inclusion. It took the form of a questionnaire with tens and tens and tens and tens of questions about how we can calculate. Because we, are, we believe in data. And we believe that from the moment that you can show through data where you stand on inclusion, you can also uh, show through data how you succeed and how inclusion helps you succeed at creating value in general. Doing so, we identified areas where things could be implemented. And because the company was really serious in their, uh, in their approach, they used this mapping to say, okay, this criteria, we're already doing great, but the mapping helped them discover or see that on other areas, they could actually do more. And that gave the idea to Litchimongo Pay to start a movement within the tech landscape in France to create a charter for HR directors in tech companies and in fintech companies to all commit to a common framework when it comes to equality, diversity, and inclusion in fintechs and tech companies. The project took about a year and end of 2021 or early 2022, I don't remember the exact, uh, the exact timing, the charter was released and it was big in the news. Christelle Calipé was on uh, many different media to, that to recognize the value of that. So now we have a charter for HR directors in France, in tech and fintech companies, to provide a framework of the kind of commitments that you can make and that will help you put equality, diversity, and inclusion in the fabric of your processes, in the fabric of your management culture, so that it becomes a real performance tool. 
So that's one of the success that we had and one of the projects that we are very proud of. So, so obvious why you're so proud of it, because, you know, this is about putting it in the fabric, as you say, of any business and having a clear framework that people can adhere to and follow and people can join is incredibly important. And everything that you're saying is, is super exciting about how we can make this industry a better place off the back of it. So my final question, Magdalena, is how can people get involved? Well, they can get involved with us. Uh, we, we strongly believe in thought leadership. So we love to talk to people uh, just for the sake of it, for the sake of sharing thoughts and sharing ideas. Um, we participate in the key events of the industry. We're involved uh, in everything that's going on, especially in France and in the UK which are key markets at the moment. That's where most of our clients are and really our uh, geography of, of development. Then in terms of getting involved, we do a lot of events uh, where we bring people together. So if leaders are interested into joining the conversation from a very general standpoint, uh, we would love for them to connect with us. So they can reach me at magdalena at wearelief.eu and we love to start a conversation with uh, uh, with them to see how they are and uh, how they approach equality diversity and inclusion and obviously we would love to talk to fintech companies to fintech startups that are either preparing for series a or just in the process of completing series a and that would be interested in seeing how lift can support them to make sure that their series a is a success well, Magdalena, it's been so eye-opening to listen to you talk through everything that you've been doing at Lyft. It's super, super exciting about how this industry can be made better if people are supporting and partnering with you. I love everything that you've said about building things into the fabric, digitalizing your plans and ensuring that people are following frameworks. So thank you so much for joining us on the Walk the Talk podcast series. Thank you so much, Nadia. Thank you for providing this space and thank you for uh, working towards making this industry uh, stronger, happier and uh, altogether better.